Welcome to the Engineering Career Conversations. I'm Krista Downey, Director of the Engineering Career Center at Cornell University. And I'm Tracy Nathans-Kelly, Director of the Engineering Communications Program. We are excited to bring you this forum where we will host lively conversations that we hope will inspire you. Hello. Today we have with us Shankun Elvis Kao. He is a Schmidt Science Fellow at MIT, working at the intersection of technology, business, and policy for carbon dioxide removal. Welcome, Elvis. Hi, uh, thanks, Krista. It's a great honor to be here, especially uh, after I left Cornell. It's uh, good to be back virtually. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we're glad to have you. So let's start with you telling us a bit about your current work. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so um, I'm currently Smith Science Fellow in the Department of Chemical Engineering at MIT, and my focus is on carbon dioxide removal technologies. Uh, with uh, engineering um, training background, I now focus on how we can best develop and deploy the technologies um, at a nexus of technology, business, and policy. I believe this is a super important topic right now, since we have net zero goals to reach in the urgent timeline, and carbon dioxide removal technologies is one of the many approaches that help us reach that goal. Excellent. And what does that look like exactly? So, um, I uh, so firstly, I will say um, right now. Uh, so I got my PhD training from mechanical engineering at Cornell, where I worked on a specific kind of carbon dioxide removal technology, which is a reactor technology to convert CO2 into sustainable avi aviation fuels under sunlight. So this is the only uh, one of the many approaches for CO2 hazation and uh, carbon removal technologies involves both capture, utilization, and sequestration. It's actually a very broad spectrum of all different kinds of technologies. And as right now, as a pivot into my postdoc, uh, I had an opportunity to get funded by the uh, Schmidt Science uh, Fellowship to work on something I think which is super important because you have the technologies there, but uh, in order to make them uh, deploy in the real world, you also need to think about the policy and business incentives. So right now I'm actually looking at how we can design the best policies and also the best business incentives to help uh, these technologies transition from a laboratory into the real world to make an impact. Excellent. And who are the important collaborators in this work? So I would say the collaborators uh, um, will include different entities uh, who are impacted by climate and who have interest in deploying these technologies. So definitely people from the policy sector, the government agencies and, and the NGOs, they will be involved. Uh, and at the same time, uh, we as uh, recent institutions were also interested in collaborating with small businesses uh, so that we can have the synergy between uh, the, the policy-making body and also uh, the business entities and also the research institutions so that we can collaborate to uh, tackle the common problem facing all of us right now. Yes, absolutely. And in what ways do you anticipate AI impacting your work or the industry in the future? Um, I, I would say AI uh, is definitely a very powerful tool, but, but it couldn't solve all the problems. So firstly, um, AI, uh, so let's say uh, for material discovery, um, 
AI is doing a fantastic job in um, uh, looking at uh, the frameworks and predicting uh, the next uh, material that's going to work. And at the same time, AI can also inform how we can design uh, good devices and how we can optimize the processes so that the technologies are more efficient. But at the same time, as I recently uh, wrote for, uh, for uh, op-ed for science, which is AI still needs uh, science or human scientists to, to participate. For example, when we speak, speak about climate change, we, we want to develop a technology and policy that is equitable and that is effective and that is just. So we still need the continued involvement of human scientists in the field. And because human scientists can evaluate the ethical and the social implications of the different um, policies and the technologies better, and how this technology will have implications for different communities and different populations. So I would say AI is a very powerful tool, but at the same time, human scientists will need to find a good um, balance um, to collaborate and each contribute to this. I believe by having the collaboration, we can solve uh, bigger problems faster. Yes. I appreciate that. Thank you. So what's the most significant challenge you face in your work? Um, I, I would say I, I still think the biggest challenge to me right now is I do see there's a very strong um, boundary between different disciplines. Um, I, I got my PhD in engineering. And right now, I'm in chemical engineering, um, which is different from mechanical engineering where I used to be in. I see there's already clear boundaries between these adjacent engineering disciplines. And as right now I'm trying to pivot into the intersection between engineering and social science, I see a greater boundary between that. And um, having, uh, so right now um, I still struggle to define my own research identity. Um, and I don't know where I belong. I don't think a traditional engineering department will be where I can find uh, my future in. Um, but at the same time, I think it's super important we need to create uh, funding mechanisms in new incentives and also provide community support uh, to help support interdisciplinary researchers, especially those very early cre uh, career stage ones. Um, so right now we do see the government agencies and other entities are calling for support for collaborative um, research. Uh, of people from different disciplines. But, but I, I do see there's still a barrier to support a single investigate-led uh, uh, interdisciplinary research. So this is something uh, I, uh, the Schmidt Science Fellows uh, is uh, doing to uh, help uh, solve the problem, but definitely we need the whole um, ecosystem to recognize uh, the importance to support uh, those researchers with their uh, interdisciplinary identities to create a new funding incentive and community support so that we, uh, because this will hinder interdisciplinary research and scientific breakthroughs. Well, I'm glad to hear that you're part of a movement toward more collaboration and more interdisciplinary work. Can you tell us a bit about your journey and how you got to where you are? Yeah, it's definitely a long journey uh, for me. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I um, I was born in a small village in China, um, so this is where I came from. Um, and I grew up with my grandmother, who was a very humble and hardworking farmer. 
uh, who supported me uh, during my childhood and beyond. Uh, it is very, uh, uh, no, uh, I, I should mention that she never finished primary school, but she really believed education is a very powerful tool that can change a, uh, a person's journey. So here I am, I got my PhD from Cornell um, in 2021. So during, uh, during that, I also landed on focus on certain energy for North America for my work um, impacting climate. And currently a Shemitah fellow at MIT. So definitely it's a long journey, but uh, I, I feel like without the support I get from my family uh, and my mentors and with my colleagues, I wouldn't be here. Yes. So how did you get from royal, uh, rural China? How did you get from rural China to Cornell? Mm, so again, this is not a very straightforward journey. Um, I firstly um, did my undergrad in China and then a master's in Canada. Uh, and then um, I um, figured out I wanted to do a PhD um, in renewable engineering field, apply for different places. And Cornell is actually uh, the one is the only place that provide me full funding. <laughs> so I I said, oh, Cornell is, is great. And so I here, so I just joined Cornell for the PhD program and got the opportunity to work on a project and uh, make uh, that um, let me where I am right now. And what do you wish you knew when you were a sophomore? Oh, that's a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I would <laughs> I would definitely say. Um, I wish I had knowing the book uh, that has seven habits of highly effective people by Stephen Harvey uh, at that age. Because even right now, I'm still using a lot of the habits described in the book. Um, so they have three dimensions, uh, dependence, uh, independence, and interdependence. So these seven habits are actually what I use to arrange my daily life. For example, whenever I try uh, to see what I'm going to do for the week or the month. I will just look at uh, what task I have and what time I have and uh, I, and how I can prioritize my efforts. So um, I wish, So right now I'm using uh, actually one of the tools described in the book, which is called the Eisenhower uh, Decision Matrix, to just prioritize multiple efforts. It's based on the urgency and importance. So with that matrix, uh, we can classify different tasks into four uh, conjures and handle them just based on priority levels. And uh, the ideal outcome as, as Helver posted is I have two kinds of problems, the urgent and the important. The urgent are, ne- are not important and the important are never urgent. So I'm actually trying to <laughs> adapt uh, the, the, the rules I learned in a book into uh, my daily life. And I think it's definitely working. And I over time, I figure out I can definitely, so right now I'm still staying in a de- uh, dependence uh, level as I move further in my per- uh, professional trajectory. I definitely think I will benefit more from uh, the other habits uh, as I move to more in- uh, independent and interdependent. Excellent. It's interesting to hear you talk about that. I know you're extremely busy with your work and also you take a lot of time to mentor others and to contribute to the base of knowledge out there, both in the scientific community and in policy, and also, um, well, I, I, you know, talking about your article on failure. Maybe you do want to talk a bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I, I developed an interest in doing that because I feel like 
this is something um, we 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 need more people to talk about that, especially at early career stages. Um, so um, looking back, my um, journey is definitely not straightforward, and I I do benefit a lot from the mentorship I get along the journey. So right now, I just feel like uh, even though I'm not and a very advanced stage for my career. There's something I can offer to the younger generations and early career researchers. Probably they are facing similar problems and I just faced uh, during my PhD. So I wrote, um, so earlier this year, I collaborated with another Shimizan fellow to write about uh, our failures in grad school. And it's super excited to see um, the article has been accessed over uh, 6,000 times after publishing in January. And we also just got a lot of um, our readers reach out to us to say they benefited, uh, they, they actually learned something and they feel they are not alone. So this is the, this is the motivation I get um, from doing this. And I think this is something I'm passionate about doing in the future as well. Uh, as a scientist, I definitely think uh, we should uh, do good science. This is super important, but it's, uh, at the same time, Scientists are also human beings. We need to create a, a good a community to support, especially younger um, our generations from uh, um, minority groups. So they, they, they probably don't have this uh, luxury to have a lot of great mentorship that I get during my PhD in Cornell, but I guess, uh, the so there's a need, and this is also something I enjoy doing. Uh, I just uh, like writing that articles. And what would you say is your purpose? So um, I think my purpose for um, for my for my science, I would like to see my uh, science and uh, my work to directly impact climate in a reasonable timeline. Um, and this is my scientific purpose. And beyond that, I think I want to um, empower other people, um, especially those from. Uh, historically, um, on the representative groups. So um, I actually, uh, so during my PhD, uh, I got the opportunity to uh, to join the Forbes on 30 uh, mentorship cycle and uh, provide mentorship to domestic students um, uh, and high school and also and underground level. So they are first generation low income, and they have that background. So I actually um, uh, met with them, um, uh, and actually also learned a lot from them, uh, from that experience. Uh, so in 2022, um, I was glad to be um, uh, inducted into the Boucher um, Honor Society because of this advocacy. And uh, along the way, I also fi figure out there's a lot of uh, other things I can do. So moving forward, uh, I do have a strong purpose to empower other people. And I hope I can be a better uh, role model along the way and I hope also to learn from them uh, along this journey. And where do you go for information to stay current in all that's happening in this field that you're in? Um, so I'm currently in a field of carbon dioxide removal. This is very um, is emerging field that's um, moving really uh, rapidly. Yeah. Uh, so we, we actually have a carbon dioxide removal group. Uh, so pretty interesting. We have that group on LinkedIn. I joined that group. And every day we just send out, so people in that group are pretty active. They will send out information and do get a lot of good information from there. At the same time, I 
I would also uh, like to uh, give a shout out to another program uh, that I usually uh, go to get information from, which is the uh, Research Excellence in Carbon Sequestration Program, also the REX program. Uh, so I had the opportunity to attend this program in 2022, and we I made a lot of the uh, colleagues in this field, and we interacted. Uh, this is this is uh, so right this year. This is already the 20th year for the program. So we already get uh, over 600 um, uh, professionals and academics from this group. So this is also the place if I want to uh, get to know more about maybe a different kind of uh, CDR technology uh, or policy. I would just reach out to my colleagues there. Excellent. So I'm thinking about young people who are maybe undergraduates who want to get involved in this work, would they join the LinkedIn group? Do you recommend that? And also where else might they go to stay connected and informed? So absolutely, I think the LinkedIn group is a good place to start from uh, and recently just changed them to public. So every, anyone can join, just search the keyword. Um, and at the same time, I will say um, you can look and um, definitely scientific publications, um, uh, especially the updated ones, because they will also provide the latest um, um, uh, scientific advances Then uh, probably you would get in, develop an interest in reading that, and that can potentially be your, your, your future career. Excellent, excellent. Elvis, what do you do to relax, have fun, and re-energize? Um, I... Uh, <laughs> So I have a habit of uh, uh, gardening. Oh. <laughs> uh, no surprise, you know, right. e everyone in uh, <laughs> Isaka has to do that. <laughs> so I, uh, um, so during the pandemic, um, I couldn't um, go back to meet my family um, for, so this is already the first year, I couldn't go back because of that. Um, but uh, I wanted to stay um, connected with my uh, grandmother and she was a farmer, <laughs> and when I uh, tried to grow uh, lettuce and tomatoes uh, in Isaac, New York, I would call her, ask for guidance about how can do that, and she feels pretty excited. She can teach me uh, something, <laughs> especially at my current uh, career stage. And this is also uh, the way I, I I feel pretty relaxed. So if something, um, so if the, if you put efforts in your research, sometimes. It, uh, nothing comes out. It's pretty common during a PhD, but if you put efforts into the land, you will get something. Yes, <laughs> yes. If you were not doing this work right now, what would you be doing? And which is closest to what you dreamed of when you were a child? Um, so I I always wanted to be a, a scientist um, from my childhood. So definitely this is something what I'm doing right now is, uh, is similar to what I dreamed I will be doing uh, but if I'm not doing this, I definitely think there are a lot of, I will be in uh, climate and sustainability field, but just under different hat. And actually, um, even right now, I wearing um, different hats as well. Uh, I had the opportunity to participate in uh, policy making for the United Nations and also uh, contribute to um, uh, a roadmaps for the World Economic Forum. I also participated in a lot of policy dialogues, interacted with UN Department of Economic and Social Affairs. Um, and uh, so I, I definitely think uh, if I'm not a scientist, uh, 
uh, in, in STEM disciplines, I will be uh, maybe a social scientist or maybe a writer. Just uh, I know climate sustainability is something really I'm really passionate about, but I, I figure out I will be one of the roles uh, in this field. Well, thank you for doing this important work. Is there anything else you want the listeners to know? So if there, there's one thing, uh, so again, uh, I already mentioned a book. Definitely read a book, uh, <laughs> The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I benefit a lot from the book. Um, but if there's a one thing I, I think I want to convey to younger audience, um, that will be, um, it's, it's super fine. Uh, it's totally fine to fail and uh, make viewers try again, uh, succeed or fail better. This is also um, the sense I'm doing right now. I uh, there, especially uh, for, for scientific journey, this wouldn't be uh, all the successes. Even the most successful successful people, uh, the uh, the we also suffer from uh, imposter syndrome. Uh, so Amber Einstein is one of them. So definitely don't be afraid of the failures. Uh, don't let the failures uh, prevent you from trying. If you never try. You will never get anything. If you try, you have the chance of get something. So um, we definitely need to normalize failure. Um, read my op-eds. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Yes, we will post your op-eds um, where we post the podcast. Yes, thank you. Well, thank you for joining us today. This was great. I'm excited to share your story. Thank you so much. The pleasure is mine. Thanks so much, Krista. Thank you for listening. If you are enjoying these conversations, please follow, rate, and review on your favorite platform. Join us for the next episode, where we will be celebrating excellence and innovation among engineers whose impact contributes to a healthier, more equitable, and more sustainable world.